The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four years Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the value of an SEO agency. Joining us is Kyle Roof, who's the founder of Page Optimizer Pro, which is an on-page tool that helps web marketers produce perfectly optimized pages for Google with ease. And today, Kyle and I are going to discuss why he sold his agency. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right. Here's my conversation with Kyle Roof, the founder of Page Optimizer Pro. Kyle, what's up, buddy? Welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Excited to have you back on the show. And uh, rumor has it you are you're living the life. You're in Thailand. You sold an agency. Um, good looking, young, not tied down. You're doing it right. What, how did, can the rest of us be more like you? You just got to pack up and go. You do have to convince your significant other to move, though, and your children. I have one child and a significant other. So you do have to uh, make that happen. And that might be the sticking point for most people. At least I'm moving to Thailand. Look, I, we talked, must have been a year or two ago, and you're clearly a very talented SEO and you had an agency and you're running Page Optimizer Pro. Give everybody the backstory. How did you get started in SEO? And, and before you picked up and you know moved the family to Thailand, what were you doing before you got to this point of, you know, obviously selling your agency? 
The very short version of the story is that I was a lawyer, hated it, moved to South Korea, <laughs> as most people do. And I was looking for the lowest level of responsibility possible. And I ended up teaching uh, English to um, kindergartners in the, uh, in the public school system in South Korea. That seems like a lot of responsibility. It actually kindergartners is. Kindergartners <laughs> are a pain in the ass. I have one. It's um, just brutal. It wasn't a class until somebody cried, me or one of the children. Like was, was basically how it would go. That one year sabbatical concept turned into five years. And while I was there, I started a company with a Korean business partner and we needed a website. And it actually required a very complex website. And by the end of that, I actually had a pretty decent dev team put together and got the bright idea to do um, web design and development. I thought I could just kind of general contract websites. And then a lot of twists and turns and an incident in India that we don't need to get into, but where my brother ends up in jail. <laughs> that one time in Bangkok, yeah. <clears throat> it can happen. My brother was in jail. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> time out, everybody. What'd your brother do? So I brought my brother into the company. I got the bright idea. I was like, you know, we've got these developers in India. Why don't we just move to India and open a company there? And I was like, we could get, instead of like people freelancing for us, we'd have full-time employees. We could get more work done. It'll be more cost-effective, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what we did. And we found this small little place in the northeast corner of, uh, of India in the foothills of the Himalayas. And we found a kind of a mixed-use space where it was a business on the first floor and then apartments on the second. My brother was there. I was in the U.S. at the time. We're told we're going to shake down from the police. There's a knock at the door. It's the police. And they say they want to see our business papers. My brother shows the papers. And they say, these are the wrong papers. And he's like, okay, how much do you want? And instead of asking for the bribe, they put him in handcuffs and throw him in jail. That's the different kind of police. That's yeah. the real police. And he's talking to the chief of police and the chief of police, look, these could be the right papers. I don't know. You have two choices. One, you can leave town tomorrow. Two, you can sit in jail and wait for the magistrate to come and the magistrate will sort it out. And my brother goes, well, when does the magistrate come? And the chief of police goes, I don't know. So my brother goes, I think I'll leave town tomorrow, sir. So he grabs what he can. It's been can. a pleasure not doing business with you officially. <laughs> he grabs what he can. We get him out. Our employees are gone and we start hemorrhaging clients because we can't service them. And my brother does web design and development. That's why I brought him in. So he's like, I can take these four clients because he can code and he can do that. And I don't code. And we had just started doing this thing that I just heard about called SEO. And basically where I was at for me to pay the Never rent. Never heard of it. For me to pay the rent next month, I had to learn how to do SEO so I could keep those clients. And that's basically what I did. I instantly started just trying to figure this out like, what so are we you doing? Googled, how do you optimize for Google? Yes. <laughs> what is SEO? When I first got my job at eBay, I was negotiating, uh, before I started negotiating partner deals, I, I was part of the business development team. So I worked at an agency and had some negotiation experience. I'd worked in sales. That was really what I was hired on. But they, they didn't want a full headcount for this business development person. They wanted a half a headcount. The other half of a headcount was going to work in the display marketing team doing internet marketing things. Wasn't a very well-written job description. I knew nothing about that. So I literally read internet marketing for dummies before I interviewed at eBay. And they're like, what would you do to optimize performance on this type of campaign? I was like, banner ads, <laughs> definitely banner ads. And they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, is it that obvious? They're like, yes. It's like I'm only on tape. Like, but I'm really good at negotiations. So I really <laughs> want to do that part of the job. And, and somehow I, I got the job. I didn't end up in jail in India. So, okay, you, you started learning your SEO for dummies because you needed to. And, and then you got to the point where eventually you learned enough to be able to sell the agency 
What got you from, let's call that point B to point uh, cash signs? <laughs> you need to find a business partner named Andy Stevens. <laughs> Steven, he, that was actually luck too. So I started doing SEO and then I, I was able to keep those clients that we had and did pretty well and was figuring it out. And so it kind of hung my shingle like, does anybody else want some SEO? I'm in the business now. And my it feels my, like you were one of those guys who's like, I can get you to rank on the first page of Google and get you 10,000 backlinks for $15 a month. See, I was never that guy. And that's why okay. I think it worked. You know, I was, okay. I was never that guy. I ended up finding my business partner, Andy, because he posted a job on something like Freelancer back in the day or Elance. And I just responded to it. And then we worked on that project. It went really well. And we worked on another one, another one. And then he was like, should we just start an agency? And I was like, I think that's a great idea. And we worked together for almost a year and a half before we actually met because he was in, well, he's Australian, but he, he kind of split time between Berlin and, and Melbourne at the time. And I was in the US, I was in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And so we instantly started an international SEO agency with offices in San Francisco, Berlin, and Melbourne. And it looked extremely sexy. It was very sexy uh -huh. on the business cards. And we had Maria, who was my VA at the time, who now owns a good chunk of, of the companies. But yeah, she was in Rome, I think. So, hey, you know, we, we at least had somebody on each continent. Italian offices, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, my company has uh, offices in 15 different countries. It doesn't sound as fancy as what you're saying, but uh, I understand how you can create a lot of addresses in a very short period of time. So you build, you find a business partner, you start to scale your agency how you keeping your clients? How you getting to the point of scale when you really felt like you had a big business? You know, actually, I felt like we had a real business or it's always kind of like these layers of like, I think this is real. I think this is real. I think this because it's real. All businesses start off as well-paying hobbies. That's, that's what it is. And then you kind of get like levels of, of, yeah, you get levels of legitimacy as, as you go up. One thing that really stuck out to me is when I could pay myself a salary where it didn't matter if we gained a client or lost a client, that did, actually didn't affect my monthly bottom line, where we switched to both Andy and I were getting salaries, and then we would do quarterly distributions. So obviously, the distributions could be affected, but you really make a lot better decisions when you don't need to take someone's money. It's kind of the uh, that situation where you can tell them to screw off. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like, you know, they're going to be a problem, and you can tell them to go away and you don't need their money, you start making much, much better decisions. But I, that was a real tipping point at that where I think we could pay ourselves a salary. And then uh, we weren't, you know, you're not really living out of the business month to month. The business isn't living month to month. I had a podcast sponsor in a different podcast that said, hey, we're going to opt out of the sponsorship program at the end of this quarter. And then the next day they paid the quarterly bill. And I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to refund your money because you paid the bill, but you told me that you were going to opt out and not pay the bill. So the left hand isn't uh, paying attention to what the right hand is doing, but it's been a pleasure, uh, you know, working with you. And I think a couple of years ago, I might've thought about that one a little bit more, but now I, you know, hopefully I've been doing well enough that I'm like, let's not get around the, the relationship and the, uh, the reputation of your business is more important than the 1500 bucks that you might have to exactly. you know, get to keep and keep it under the radar. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. So you, you start to scale, you get different levels of legitimacy. So how big was the business before you decided you were going to try to exit? At that point, we had, and we still have about the same number, but we, it was the end of 2021 is when we decided, let's really make a push to, to sell this. And I would say even a year or two before that, Andy kind of got the mantra of, 
does this decision lead to a sale? So anytime we had a business decision to make, should we do A or B, or should we invest in this, or should we try to grow that, or, or what should we do here? It was kind of like, does this decision lead to a sale? Would somebody be happy about this? Once we have to explain why we did this to somebody else, would they care about that? Would they like that decision? Would it, would it be, is it positive? And the answer was yes. You know, like, okay, this looks like it will get us towards a sale. Then, then that was something that we'd want to do. And if it, if it was a no, then, then, then we didn't. And so one major decision that we made, actually right at about the time the pandemic was about to start, was to switch to longer term contracts, to get off of monthly contracts and into... We're only going to take clients that are going to sign a six-month or 12-month contract. And that's not a switch that you can just say, okay, we're doing that today and, and everybody's on it. There is a, a long transition period. And what we actually ended up finding was essentially we would lose maybe two or even three legacy clients and we'd replace that with one long-term client. So we'd lose two clients or even three clients that were these month-to-month clients and get one six-month client or one 12-month client for the same value. Because the clients that can sign those longer-term contracts they're already funded. They usually have deeper pockets. They know what's going on. They're not, their company isn't living month to month. And so you're not dependent upon them surviving month to month. They can make those longer term decisions. You get much better clients. But that was a huge switch for us that really allowed a lot of things to happen. Because then at that point, when you can replace three clients with one client, your margins explode. You know, your profit margin explodes because it's so much more efficient to manage one client than it is to manage three of the same value. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. So at your peak, how many clients were you managing? What was the, the revenue like? If you don't mind me saying, you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to. But. Sure, I can tell you. So at that point, we had about 40-ish long-term clients at that point. So not like a ton of clients, but and growing in the sense that um, they went from probably an average of eight months with us to an average of 18 months with us. You know, that was a big thing where basically the clients are leaving because their projects are done at that point, not because they're, the grass is green or somewhere else kind of situations. It's just like, okay, we run, run the course. That allowed us to have a lot of stability in terms of where we could project where our revenue was going to go. And we could also then start to pull different levers too. Like, okay, maybe we can go after this like industry type. Once we kind of had that settled, that really solved a lot of problems in terms of how this company was going to run. And at the same time, we could add more layers 
of administration. So we have kind of myself and Andy, if you will, kind of at the top. And then we've got a layer of, of uh, our leadership team. So that's our, our U.S. manager, our European manager, and our CTO. And those three are really running the company. And then below them are senior level campaign managers, junior level campaign managers. And then you've got some side tangents like our content creation team and um, our outreach team. And then those also answer to different people. But at that point, what was what we started to do by building out that structure is that myself and Andy are really removed from the day-to-day. You know, we're not essentially running this company day-to-day. There are people running the company. And we're, we're the vision. Of course, obviously, decisions need to be made, et cetera. But a big thing that we realized as well as to be able to sell an agency, which selling an agency isn't, a lot of agencies can't be sold. But can you step away from your agency and will it not just maintain, but will it also grow in that time frame? It doesn't have the, the potential to do that. And if you can do that, that's when you know you really have something that can be sold. And um, that was a big thing for us to have that structure in place, knowing that the company would survive without us. And then that's actually what a buyer is looking for as well. They want to know that the company not only will survive, but will grow when you're not there anymore. I worked at a consulting agency. It was my consulting agency. And our average retainer was about $10,000 a month. So if I'm doing the back of the envelope math and you've got 40 customers at $10,000 a month, that's $4 million, That's $400,000 in revenue, which is $4,800,000 in revenue and a 50% profit margin you're taking home. Two and a half million dollars a year. I'm guessing that you probably, because of selling the company, can't say what the revenue was or what the exit was. But am I relatively in the ballpark or thinking about the math the right way in terms of the revenue stream for an agency your size? That's pretty close. I would say our average client is not that large. About half of that. I'd say what our average monthly retainer is. Just, but your numbers otherwise. Okay. And then our, our profit margin. I guess uh, that was have, really we, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're very sexy. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> stop. Go <Come> on. <laughs> and then, uh, the thing that we were able to hit to our profit margin is about 66%. So that's, those are the only that's, two slight variations. That's pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, otherwise. All right. So you're in the couple of million dollars of revenue, uh, two, three to million dollars of revenue, million and a half of, uh, gross margin. Talk to me about the exit process. What's it like when you've got an agent? And for the record, the reason why I'm going through the math here, not to put you on the spot, is for any of the other SEO agencies that are listening, trying to figure out the value of their agency, I feel like this calculus is generally worthwhile. If you're thinking about this, I listen to a great podcast called Built to Sell by John Warlow. I've actually read Built to Sell, the book, and it's one of my favorite business books of all time. So anybody that's thinking about you know, selling an agency or trying to figure out how they would value it, read Built to Sell and listen to Built to Sell Radio. Not a paid sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> you got, uh, you know, top line two and a half and, and bottom line one and a half-ish million dollars and, and you, you decide to hit the road and say, great, I'm going to sell this thing. How do you figure out your multiples? How do you find buyers? How do you do the dance? How do you seal the deal? This is all foreign stuff to me. Yeah, to answer your first question, you want a broker. They're invaluable. We end up going with a company called Raincatcher, also not a paid sponsor. They uh, did a tremendous job. Uh, Mark Woodbury was was the guy on their team that does their digital assets. And it was just really good going through this with somebody that's <laughs> done it a few times. And I would say when they kind of laid out how they thought it would go, they were probably, they probably hit it 80% accuracy. And just that other 20% is just things that, ha- that come up during a sale, right? But um, 
having the broker does a, the first thing was we worked with them for three months and they just, they looked at our books and they're like, okay, your books are great, but a buyer's going to want to see these lines and these things spelled out a little bit better and stuff like that. So like we kind of were able to make things look how a buyer wants to look at the, of the internal workings of the company. We put together a SIM, which is your confidential uh, information marketing, blah, 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 packet. That's the thing that somebody gets after they sign the NDA. And so they put that all together. So when somebody looks at your company initially and they see the listing, they see kind of just some broad numbers and some basic stuff. But if they want to dive in, then they, they're going to get that package. And they put all that together for us. And that was huge as well. And then uh, they helped field the, the offers. So what we did was, is we listed the company, but said, we're not going to take any offers for a couple months. And the idea is that you don't want, because what buyers are going to want to do is they're going to want to say, here's an offer and you have seven days, take it or leave it. And then you have to decide like, oh, shoot, should we jump on this now? You know, is there another offer coming? You know, that kind of thing. But by saying, okay, here, everybody can look at it and then we'll start taking offers at this time. It actually allowed several companies to place an offer or express interest. And then that obviously puts the buyer in, in, in a much better position where you can say like, hey, look, these guys are offering this. Those guys are offering that. And these ones over here are doing this. Uh, we like these elements and we like you best. Could we come? And then you can start negotiating from there, which is a good point to be in or a good place to be in and kind of get a feel for what people are, are, are how they're looking at your company. You basically put the listing out there and tried to say, all right, who's interested in this type of business? You're, I'm trying to think of a metaphor that's not HR inappropriate, but the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, you're at the bar, you're putting out the feelers, you're scanning the room. I'll leave okay. it there before you start buying people drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, you decide that somebody might be a good match for you. How does that conversation go? How long did it take? They're going to send an LOI, a letter of intent. And that letter of intent is going to, in broad strokes, what their offer is. That's the idea. So they're, they're going to say, okay, we think your company is valued at this. This is what we want to do. We want to give you this much cash. We want to give you this much equity. We want these terms. And it's going to spell out in pretty broad strokes what they're looking at specific enough. So you know what the deal is. And I can tell you the numbers that people are going to be concerned about are sellers discretionary earnings is the number that people I think like for agencies right now. And that's, it's a form of net profit. It's similar to EBITDA. Those are all very similar concepts, but you're kind of looking at how much money are you taking in as net profit, but then also some of those expenditures that you're making that are, are your choice. Like you, you are deciding to spend that when that wouldn't necessarily need to be. And so those are called ad backs put back in and then you look at that number. Like you renting your home office or exactly uh, right. deciding that your utilities are all going to go through the business, fun stuff that you know you Correct. may or may not do. I would never do that. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. No, well, you can. There, there are ways you can, no. for sure. For sure. Yeah, so like all those things go back in. And then even some things like, um, you know, maybe your company gives large charitable donations or something like that. Those can be added back in as well because they might... They probably are doing their own stuff, you know. So th those kind of things are a bunch of different categories and things that can go back in. And then once you decide on what is going to be included in your ad backs, then you negotiate the multiplier. So basically take that number and you're, you're going to negotiate the multiplier. And I can tell you the most agencies are going to get between 2 and 2.5 uh, sellers discretionary. Yeah, I've, I've heard it's 1 to 2 is generally the range for professional services. And what's interesting is that if you build SaaS companies, the multiplier is two to five. So Correct. everybody, Correct. go build tools. That's, that's, yeah, that's no joke. If you're going to sell your business, go build a software component to it. One thing that we were able to do is that, and this is actually a very important point. A lot of people, like their company goes flat or down a little bit, and that's when they decide they want to sell. And 
you're not going to get the best multiple possible. Because like their pitch is like, oh, you can just come in and bring your vision and surely this thing will take off again. And nobody wants that. Everybody wants to buy a company that is on the up because then what they want to do is they don't want to change anything. They want to continue that trajectory and then maybe they can tweak. If they can see opportunities where they can tweak and then it's going to go even higher. That's the opportunity they're looking for. So, and this is based off of a trailing 12 months. So you kind of calculate out 12 months back, but then every month that the negotiation continues, basically you lose one month on the end and you gain a month on this side. So for us, we were losing months where things were actually meh kind of months and we're exploding right now. So every month that went by during our negotiation, our value is exploding. And it actually got to the point where the buyers were kind of like, we're kind of out of money. <laughs> you know, like we really can't get too much more. And then we were able to go negotiate other things such as like getting a larger equity chunk out of it, which was a very good thing. So you want to sell when you are rising, not when you are on the downturn, which uh, is counterintuitive, I think, for a lot of people when they try to sell or when they think about selling. So you said larger equity chunk. That means that I'll use the round numbers. If you're a million and a half of gross profit and you're doing a, a two multiplier, that's three. I'm not saying your numbers. This is my back of the envelope math. Great. The exit price is $3 million at a 2 million multiplier. Is the multiplier a top line revenue or, or basically bottom line? Bottom line. It, it's on that seller's discretionary earnings number. Okay. So yeah, the bottom line, you're, you're one and a half million. You're going to sell for three. Are you giving up some of the cash to get equity in the new company? Is that the equity stake you're talking about? That's usually how it goes. So let's say the total value is that three number and they'll say, okay, we're going to give you 2 million in cash right now. They're going to hold 500000 in in escrow just in case things aren't as uh, as they appeared. <laughs> They're usually clawback terms. They're going to hold on to that money for a certain amount of time, say a six-month period, maybe a transition period where they're going to look at revenue, like if revenue drops or if you don't hit certain gains, it's called an earnout. Or if uh, key people leave, those all might trigger clawbacks where they can take money out of escrow. But at the end of that six months, you get the remaining. And then let's say that remaining 500000 is put in as equity into the new company or you maintain in your own company. It kind of depends if you did what kind of sale you did, like an asset sale or a, or a stock sale. All right. So after it's done, you get a couple million bucks, you spread it around the company. Did you buy your Lamborghini yet? What are you doing with a couple million bucks and what are you doing today? Nah, <laughs> you can't. I think that's the wrong decision. Lambo, to go by Lambo, Although... Lambo, Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm not attracted by material things like those. Like I don't, I'm not a watch guy. I don't know if you're a watch guy. All my friends no, are like, oh, go I don't like Lamborghinis either, to be honest with you. They're I like, go and get a Rolex or something Ford like that. Explorer. And I was like, I would lose a Rolex. You know, I lose everything. <laughs> it would take me two minutes outside the store to lose that. You know what we're doing, though? Um, the one thing that my wife and I are doing is we're taking a really nice trip. And that's what I like or kind of experiences. So we're, it's a trip that's more expensive than it should be. And it'll be fun. Well, where are you going? Don't leave us hanging. <laughs> we're looking at two. <laughs> we might do two. Um, there's this one where... Um, <laughs> You go to like Borneo and you, you um, hang out with the orangutans and all that. It's a whole immersive experience. And there are like a bunch of different places throughout Malaysia that you go. It's absolutely gorgeous. And flying these little like private planes to get to little places. It's, it's stupid. And then the other one is my son is eight. And they just did a whole thing on like tombs, treasures and something or others. And uh, so we're thinking about taking him to Egypt. And um, we found this really amazing tour that kind of takes you through all the spots and and he's, I think he's old enough, eight, you can remember that kind of stuff. And so I thought that'd be pretty That's cool as well. Um, amazing. And 
hey, there's SEOs listening to this and they're working hard. They're at agencies and they're still putting blood, sweat and tears and they're getting to be able to give themselves a paycheck and they're starting to build stability and there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And a lot of the times this stuff can be relatively predictable. It seems like, a, well, when my ship comes in, maybe I'll sell, but you're constantly taking steps forward to learn how to grow your business. And, you know, at some point when you get big enough, you can make a decision to exit. I also think that it's wonderful to hear that you were able to exit, find good value for your company, and then figure out what you want to do with your life. And and honestly, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about in our next episode. So Kyle, Lambo, Lambo, Lambo. I'll consider it. Congratulations, consider. On, congratulations on selling the agency and we're going to bring you back tomorrow to continue our conversation. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Kyle Roof, the founder of Page Optimizer Pro and the owner of a new Lamborghini. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kyle and I are going to continue the conversation to talk about his teardown of my website. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kyle, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is KyleBot1997 or you can visit his website, which is pageoptimizer.pro. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs, because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to VoicesOfSearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for all our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data.